Friday's episode of Daily DVR Presents House of the Dragon is brought to you by Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. Cufflinks.com has the greatest products for looking good. They have all the geeky stuff. Man, if you want like a Star Wars tie pin, you want some cufflinks that have the Captain America shield, Game of Thrones, all the sports teams, college sports teams, they have everything to add that little touch to make you look great. So look awesome when you step out the door tomorrow. Go to cufflinks.com, use code DVR20 today. All right, let's save all the incest goodness for the show. Are we ready to start? Yeah. All right, sir. Let's do it. Welcome back to podcast Winterfell. Holy cow. So excited. We are here to talk about the first episode of the Hot D Injection. House of the Dragon, episode one, the heirs of the dragon. So excited. Head on over to DVRpodcast.com. Go to patreon.com slash DVR. Hit our Facebook at Daily DVR. Let's introduce the people with me today. My co-host, Gina. Gina, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, Axel. Thanks for inviting me to do this with you this season. I'm very excited. Oh, so am I. And we have invited on for the very first episode of House of the Dragon, the creator of podcast Winterfell, a podcast legend in the Podcast Hall of Fame in Pahrump, Nevada. It's Matt Murdock. What's up, Matt? Hey, how you doing, guys? I am so happy that my situation hasn't changed at all. No matter what room I go into, the people are always smarter than me. So it's a pleasure to be here and learn something from you all tonight. Well, I think I'm going to have more questions for you than you have for me. But uh, we got to get into some of this history this was just let's just for the let's just talk about our first impressions. Gina, when this ended, what what went through your mind this first episode? What was your first reactions? That I couldn't wait for the second episode. Yeah. I was very pleasantly pleased with um with the first episode. I was like, "Okay, this is good. It's going to be good." So, very excited. All right, Matthew, how about you? I was not not disappointed at all, though I was a little disturbed, especially by the uh, the birthing, the cord coordination of the birthing and whatever, because just because what I do now, mostly for a living, um, I see that fear in people's eyes a lot, and it really just kind of scared the bejesus out of out of me. That now I have to find it in television too. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, that was the first thing I was going to say is my when I, when I stopped watching this, one of the first things I thought is that was a pretty brutal return to Westeros, reminding us of the politics, the harshness, the kind of man versus nature, man versus man, man versus horse and beast and jousting and just it was really it was hard you know it was dark there was not a lot of humor 
You know, the first episode of Game of Thrones, you had Tyrion cracking jokes and Jamie, you know, what I do for love. <laughs> right? Like, even that was a little joke, a little flair. There was not a lot of joking up in the House of the Dragon, baby, right? Like, not a lot at all. Um, so I just, I loved it. I thought it was outstanding. I thought the acting, the casting, the CGI, the backgrounds blended in perfectly. The the costumes, the stunts. I thought it was outstanding, and I was super duper like excited because you know I talked in the initial kind of preview we did, Gina. That and Matt, I know you know season eight of Game of Thrones wasn't the easiest to be a <laughs> a content creator. Um, there was a lot of strife and throughout Game of Thrones, you know, but um, I was a little wary of coming back. But Westeros welcomed me with its dragon smelling grimy arms and I was falling right into them. And now I smell like dragon and incest. Ew. Are you a Tar? <laughs> are you a Targaryen, Axel? I, I don't know if anybody except Targaryens can either smell dragon on somebody, or uh, whether they just everybody else is just a, too afraid to say anything. I don't know. Well, I feel like a honorary Targaryen after watching it. You know, it was. Uh, I I was just I was really excited and happy because hey, when Game of Thrones ended, we all thought there's going to be something else. Is it going to have the same quality, right? And mm. to me, this achieved the same exact level of quality as Game of Thrones. There was no corners cut. Um, little help in the audience here, right? I, I'm sure you both noticed the difference that we had a voiceover and some text on the screen, right? Things that we really didn't get in Game of Thrones to give us a setting and a place, I kind of enjoyed those things. What did you think about that, Matt? Well, uh, if you're talking about the Heron Hall introduction, uh, that was actually the actress who plays the older Daenerys. Yes. That, yeah. that was uh, Emma Darcy, and they per performed that very well. Instantly drew me into the world, so I was ready to go. But what did you think about kind of the way in which game of thrones didn't give us any of that and this did do you think that was necessary on this return you think it kind of brings new people into or what what were your some of your thoughts on that well it was easy for me simply because i i've read this material already and i think the two of you have as well uh, so i knew exactly the win was but i thought that establishing the win was going to be very important uh, for people who were just returning to the television from Game of Thrones, um, they used Daenerys as kind of like this, uh, I guess, a mile marker mm -hmm. so that you could compare as to when it was going to be. And I, I thought it was essential. And I thought that that, that whole introduction uh, was not overly dramatic at all. And I don't know that, I, if I recall right, Dave and Dan, when they first did their pilot, of for Game of Thrones, uh, it was in a lot worse shape than what we got on the screen yeah. uh, in, in the TV. <laughs> Evidently, they took it to friends and said, and they just like, what the heck is going on here? And so when they did the reshoot, they ended up doing some recasting too. But nonetheless, um, they had a huge task 
but they also had a, a prologue scene that they could instantly draw people in uh, with what the heck happened to this uh, this group of rangers out beyond the wall, and they had this beautiful scenery. Um, they've tried to establish that same way here. Heron Hall, of course, is huge, and the way that that set looked and, and oh, everything, man. seeing Jaharis, all of it was just fantastic. So I was instantly drawn in, and I feel like as far as establishing the story, they did a pretty good job. I, I But it's hard for me to judge simply because... Again, I've, I've read this stuff, so it was easy for me to identify who was who. What were your thoughts, Gina? So, yeah, I mean, I think the, the kind of prologue they did was fine. I loved seeing Heron Hall because we've never really seen it in, like, I think the inside of the hall and in that manner. And it was quite striking. But I do think the way they introduced Game of Thrones with the scene beyond the wall and they introduced the big baddie from the beginning and you're mm -hmm. just like, WTF is that, you know? Um, you know, I think, I think Game of Thrones, it was much more kind of grab you, compelling, gotcha type of things. But I think people are tuning into House of the Dragon for different reasons. It's because they love Game of Thrones. They love the world they built. And so I think for people that aren't book readers, it's good to give them some context just about, okay, this is where we are. This is where we're starting. And here we go. Um, and I think it's interesting because we've heard all sorts of crazy rumors about the Targaryens back in the day and their dragons and everything else. And now it's going to be interesting because we're going to get to see, like, are they really as mad as they've been made out to be? Like, we, you know, we saw... Daenerys and her brother Viserys and we kind of know them as Targaryens and you know Jon Snow counts but not really um, so I think it's interesting to get a full look at the family that we've heard so much about yeah yeah I agree with both of you I think I think they did a really great job I and I thought it was interesting how they both kind of start with a bit of a prologue though this one is many years before the Game of Thrones one kind of took place in in with in time with what was happening, right? Because we later see Ned behead the dude who runs away. Um, but it's a little bit of a kind of setting up. And that's one thing that I wanted to ask the both of you. One thing about that I thought about, um, and Matt, you mentioned with, uh, I think, or Gina, you mentioned with like setting up the White Walkers. This even this prologue it sets up a, a a family story right but even by the end of the episode i think they did a really interesting job of everyone's kind of gray you know where there's maybe one or two characters that we can say are going to be our heroes but a lot of the characters i think have a bit of gray about them uh, and we're not, I guess we're not so sure yet, even after this one episode, who our big bad person is. Do you all agree with me or do you think I'm just being gracious? Um, I agree that we don't know who the big baddie is really going to be in this at this point. I think Game of Thrones set it up so we knew about Y Walkers. We knew yeah. that. Jamie and Cersei were kind of pieces of crap and, you know, at the, at the very end there. 
Um, but I think what was made clear is this is still Game of Thrones. There is still a Game of Thrones that's happening. It's just within a tighter circle um, within this family and kind of some surrounding players. So, um, yeah, that's my thought. I would agree with you, Gina, uh, to the point that whether we could actually pinpoint characters which side of the spectrum they're going to fall on i don't think we're supposed to i don't i don't think i and i think it's going to be kind of a um i hope it to be a kind of an ebb and flow kind of thing where uh you're going to see the good sides and the bad sides you're at right axel i think that they tried to paint them kind of as neutral gray as possible and we'll see different shades between dark and light in all of the characters or at least that's what i hope simply because that to me, uh, if it's true to uh, what George says he wants it to be, which is to, to have characters that are very complicated, um, he wants all of his characters to be Jamie Lannister, essentially, uh, or he hopes that people read him that way. And I want to be able to see that too. I want to. I want to root for somebody one week and cheer against them the next week. I hope that that happens. And that I think what you said, Gina, as far as being part of just in terms of the Game of Thrones. That's exactly how you'll see those different colors. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit uh, about the characters. Before we did, I wanted to start talking about Damon first, since uh, that is Doctor Who, and Matt used to do the US Who cast, so we got- The 11th Doctor, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just wanted to ask if I got this right, because we, we had been talking about the timing. So it's about a this takes place what we watched in most of the episode takes place about 110 years after Aegon's conquest of Westeros after the Targaryen reign began because they say it was like the close of the first century right the great council would have occurred right around uh, 100 years after Aegon had landed so he'd had there'd been a reign of the Targaryens for a hundred years by the time that we join the story in the present day with uh, Rhaenyra uh, flying over the city mm -hmm. uh, you have to consider that it's been nine years since Viserys right. took over but I don't think he took over right when the council happened he was just named the heir I don't remember how many years it was between uh, Jaehaerys the old king dying and Viserys taken over. So I think your guess is pretty close. I just don't know the exact number. Well, I did listen to the History of Westeros podcast, and Aziz said it was two years between that prologue we saw there and Viserys being king. That okay, it was so that would after. make a total of 11 years yeah. uh, after, the, after the prologue. So okay. 100, hmm. 111 years after the Targaryen reign began, and about 200 years before Danny dies, because it's they uh -huh. said it's 172 years when she's born. And she, I think in the show, it's safe to say she was like in her mid-20s, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to believe? They aged her up? Yeah, seems like it. That's I think that's a good guesstimate. Right? What do you think, Yeah, Matt? I agree. Okay. I agree. So it's... so. It's a little bit before the half. We're, we're still, we're like 110, and it lasted about 300 years. 
the Targaryen reign, right? So we're really about a third of the way through. They still have a further 200 years. Well, not 200, because Danny, I shouldn't say the Tar, 172 years, because that's when, when she's born, it pretty that marks like Robert's rebellion and her dad being deposed right. and killed, yeah. right? Exactly. I, I think, uh, you know, if you if you figure in the high 180s, the okay. low 190s, then you're all good. All so right, you cool. can call it 200 years. Nobody's going to charge yeah. you for right. that. That's interesting. I just want to say, because it's good to think that the, I was thinking originally it was a little bit further, like in the middle. But it is it is a little bit, I guess it is. It's kind of a little bit before the middle of the whole Targaryen reign. They really give themselves a lot of leeway for to go behind into the past and the future um, in the stories they tell, uh, further stories that they tell. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Damon, Matt Smith here, who I was pleasantly surprised with because I think sometimes he can be a bit of a scene chewer, a little bit of a over actor maybe. I mean, some of the roles he's chosen have been that way too. Maybe it's because the last thing I saw him in was that... Uh, venom movie or whatever oh no morbius morbius (laughs) i saw him in morbius and that was very silly but um i thought he was fantastic i thought the interplay between he and his brother they seem to really love each other and have that kind of commitment but still a distrust they're very different between him and otto between him and uh i'm going to pronounce her name wrong the whole time how do you say renaris renara Right. Yeah. Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra. Okay. I'm going to probably add an S to it. Um, But I thought I just thought that they really he seemed to kind of be the centerpiece. It was his arrival that marked uh, this episode. Right. Not only the birth, but also like the tournament and his kind of arrival back home. Um, What were your impressions, Gina, of uh, of Mr. Damon Targaryen? (laughs) (laughs) So I am all in with his character. Like, um, I was looking forward to the, (laughs) you know, long blonde wigs because I'm a Legolas elf fan. (laughs) Put a blonde wig on a guy. And all all of a sudden, you know, it's like they're so much more attractive. Um, And I think he's great. He's he's a Targaryen that has the Kavorka, which people who watch Seinfeld will know what that is. and he's he is already, I think, off the bat, very complex and probably more complex than any of the male characters we really saw in Game of Thrones. I think he's very much like a kind of an interesting blend of a Tyrion and a Jamie, more mm, of a Jamie. Like yeah. But he still has, you know, he he's also kind of reminds me of the Hound in a way. He's he has less brutality. And more um, kind of tenderness, I guess. But there's definitely, you know, he, he's got kind of a gruffness and also a tenderness. And I think you see that in his scenes with um, uh, Renera, especially. Yeah. Did I say that right? Um, yeah. I'm going to struggle with that at first, too, because these <laughs> names look I, all the same. I want to say Renaris. <laughs> I know. It, yeah. it's a t- we were so used to saying Daenerys for yeah. so right. long that Rhaenyra, yeah. I, I, if I put the ear in it, then I then I tend to pronounce it better than if I say Rhaenyra. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's just me. But um, no, I mean, I think he's, 
I think he's great. Um, I think, <laughs> you know, they, I felt really, you know, he's, he's kind of a bad boy, but I also think he's misunderstood, which I always like a bit of a tortured soul. Cause we see him, you know, in this very brutal scene, not just the, the tourney and the jousting, um, but you know, when he's leading the gold cloaks through the town, um, you know, that's our egregious violence, um, in the show, but, you know, you also see him just kind of bow his head in frustration and reaching out for his paramour a couple times or just, you know, he's really, I think both, both he and Renera are very similar in the fact that they both really want Viserys approval and acceptance and they want to be trusted by him and they both are not really not a hundred percent. I don't think either one of them. And I think that's kind of a shared thing between those two. Um, and I think we did get, we had no full on incest, but I think there is a vibe between those two, <laughs> but I think it's more a tenderness. Like I think they, you know, like you said, the brothers really care about each other. Yeah. I think, you know, Damon and Renera really care about each other too. And I think they are on the same page with each other and understand each other, even when the person really fucks up like Damon did. So um, now I'm all in with him. I think he's awesome. It's he's, he's hot. He's wounded. He's, you know, um, violent. He's, he's the whole package. He's everything Gina Thrones could world. want. <laughs> oh my God. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, no, I think he's a great character. I love Matt Day. Uh, Matt Smith. I'm coming. I've been trying to call Matt him Matt Damon, Damon for like two months. <laughs> uh, just I'm going. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Well, I do know what that's about. That's about another actor. But I love Matt Smith. Uh, I absolutely was enthralled by his performance in The Crown, and I don't know if you think of that uh, as being. Uh, two scene stealing or not but the first two seasons of the crown to me sold me on the fact that once matt smith was cast in this role i knew it was going to be fine um the first poster that i saw i i made the legolas reference myself and thought maybe it was uh, the wig was a little bit too much but i this episode i think the scene that sold sold it for me was when he shows up at the at the small council and his hair's all messed up from doing the thing with the gold cloaks the night before and just being just as casual about it doesn't care and i, I and that to me exemplified damon and gina a lot of the stuff that you described made me also think of jamie lannister it made me think yeah. of this character who has some of these nobilities that nobody really knows about yet, uh, you can just kind of almost see them hidden under uh, Damon in that performance uh, by Matt Smith. I thought it was just absolutely extraordinary. And you know what, Matt? I love that scene of him at the table, too. He's like, you know, oh, you're talking about me. And he just has that little, like, impish look on his face. Like, he's not overly cocky like Jamie is, but he has some he yeah. has a jamie-esque like smirky and that's where i think kind of the Tyrion comes in like it's a very he's like the third missing brother of, of those two yeah. you could totally see them like growing up together it's kind of funny i like i like that i i agree with everything you're saying and i think that 
uh, maybe the word you're looking for before was vulnerability, Gina. He has a, a vulnerability to him, right? Yes, that... and I hate using that word just because I think it's overused. <laughs> so just probably yeah. why I didn't use it. I prefer okay. kind of like the tenderness because okay. he's he's there's just something you know yes more vulnerable about him. But I think just you know he's he's a little more human than I think any of the Game of Thrones men really like he's he's just shown a little more so far off the bat i would have to agree with you i think that there there's great depth in this character in this episode alone mm-hmm. and you pointed to the scene in the brothel where he can't finish and he just puts his hand over his head and then he puts a scarf over his head he's just kind of hiding right like a, he becomes like like a teenager that's embarrassed about what's happening you know even though everyone's watching them and he seems to relish in that as well but i think that and at the same time like when the joust happens he he does the uh oberon standing up acting like he won already or you know what i mean (laughs) only to get knocked in the back so he has hubris he has tenderness as you say uh but he's also vicious and and uh, and the 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 kind of connection that he shares with Renera and uh, with Viserys, his his brother, right? I'm saying that correctly. Good. Yes. Um, is also touching. He seems when he overhears what his brother says at the small council, he doesn't have the patience to rule. He seems genuinely hurt. What and and my question, I wasn't sure because. There's a lot of dudes with long brown hair and, and that are kind of in the background. <laughs> like in Game of Thrones, it was dudes with beards. And this just, it seemed like the, to kind of make it like those are not Targaryens. They have like a lot of guys with long curly. But uh, is the guy in the brothel who says to him, um, Damon is going to speak. Is that Lord Strong the same guy who's on the small council? Or is it just another floppy-haired dude? I honestly didn't notice. Uh, Yeah, I didn't notice anyone from the small council in the brothel. Um, But yeah, there are more floppy-haired dudes in this show this time around. Because it looks like a similarly curly-haired... Maybe it's a different guy, but it's almost like the people around him know they can egg him on, right? That he'll lose his patience, that he'll, he'll... go he'll go and say something dumb or do something dumb and i think that kind of um vulnerability is <laughs> is good for a guy that they're also kind of maybe like i said do they did they set up the kind of bad guy and i guess it's kind of him but they didn't do it so outwardly that he's just you know I, I wouldn't have been surprised, but then I was when he loses the fight after the joust that he didn't like a move. Uh, you would expect like maybe Jamie or someone to just like stab the guy through the heart while he's up. You know what I mean? To like, because he has to be the winner, but he loses. And he yeah, does, he, you know? I think he got he felt like he got his glory in already and he was willing to take the the uh, the defeat just for the fact that he got the better hand. I think that Damon likes to make sport of a lot of stuff. Mm, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Just like Viserys pointed out a about the joker way that he's always poking it. at yeah. 
auto and everything. And so uh, by his hand or by his mind, I almost feel like what I saw in, in Damon's face in that moment at the joust was simply, yeah, I got you. And then when, uh, when he got knocked over, uh, he was kind of like, it doesn't really matter. I've had my moment. So that was, by the way, was that was the whole jousting tournament not wow i mean come phenomenal on. it was so fast like i i, I had just rewatched several episodes from the first season of game of thrones and so i saw some of the tourney scenes and these ones were just so fast like they mm. they you know charged each other went to the end they had they got another lance and then they charged right back it was just so fast paced and I thought that was awesome. Yes. Um, I particularly love they they stole a little of the old kung fu camera technique where you go past the person, right? Like you don't run the camera right up to their face. They would run the camera up to them and let them pass, go past the camera, and the camera would keep going for like a mm -hmm. brief second. And it just gives you that feeling. Of, and then they'd sweep back in go in the other way and show the top down view. It was just so brilliantly shot and edited and the stunt guys or gals that were involved with it. You never know who's under the armor. It was right. fantastic. And the part where he gets knocked off and he's riding the rail all the mm -hmm. way down on his back was like, old sand sword and sandals spartacus type shit that it was amazing i loved it that's that's shaposnik for you i mean this is the guy that brought you hard home this is the guy that brought you the battle of the bastards um it's good that he's a showrunner because there's you know anytime that we're going to be facing some kind of battle thing you know it's going to be in good hands yeah it's those little it's those little touches right that really, it doesn't have to be, that's why I always loved the Game of Thrones and why I love that they, like, as you mentioned, Miguel Sapochnik, or, or you per, perhaps it's a different pronunciation. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I, I was reading it. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, Matt. But I love that they brought, that the team is back, you know, because this is this is top quality stuff. I don't need to see, like, an entire even though they might do it at some point and they did in Game of Thrones, like the whole city below, it doesn't have to be that big. It's the big moments bring it down, right? It's like a pixie song, right? Like loud, soft, go back and forth and it just draws you back into it, those little moments and the way that they time edited together her, the, the scream when she's, trying to give birth or actually I think when they're taking the baby out of her with the horses and the crowd and everything and the way they were intercutting that I thought was just absolutely brilliant it was a fantastic set piece and they pulled it off in every way possible can I just add real quickly um, a very important important decision and I don't know if it was uh, the director that made it or if it was Ramin but to start off that whole sequence with zero music the visceralness mm, of yeah. of not having music when Amos suddenly realizing the sacrifice that they're going to make uh, in uh, you know they're going to uh, go ahead and let her die earlier in order to save the boy 
the fact that there was no sound or no music in that and it was just you were in that moment just like if you would have really been in that room that that to me made everything else really work yeah it was great and the little shots of the crowd and you just i can't say enough about the costumes on this it, mm. just everything is absolutely fantastic it looks so crisp and the color choices i found because we start because so much of uh well game of thrones you start with the starks right and then the, and then they are and then that's when robert arrives everything is kind of like a little like gray and snow and white right this is this is a lot of colors that we had a great color palette and when they pull back you can see a lot of yellows and blues and pinks and purples and it just seems really beautiful it's like it was almost as they pull back it almost looked like a garden like flowers and stuff and then they'd go right to the blood <laughs> like when they pulled that one dude and like half his face was still on the ground did you notice that like the uh, first guy that goes down it's like man and the way that they showed so many people two or three times they showed a couple kids right like grabbing each other's arms yeah. and yeah. just the brutality of it um and it says something Matt, did that say something about where the Targaryens were at at this time and 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 what kind of kingdom they're running? It, they say in the beginning that it's the it's at the height of the Targaryen dynasty, but it seems to me that maybe as often happens that they're maybe getting a little lazy about. There's even some mention of this triarch. Um, how are things? How is the kingdom really running? Do you think? Well, I think that one of the things that you can point to to say that this is the height of the Targaryen dynasty is because uh, we're seeing that Daemon has a dragon. Rhaenyra has a dragon. There's probably other people that have dragons. And that, of course, solidifies a lot of power. And it, during the Great Council of Harrenhal, Jaehaerys, as it says in the prologue, had had 60, uh, a very long reign. I think they said 60 years of peace and even uh Rainey's, when she's talking to Corley's talks about during the lists how you know all of these knights are now kind of soft in a mm -hmm. way and that's because they haven't really had to fight for anything and so their emotions kind of yeah. take them over that's why you saw so many uh fights after somebody had already won which kind of distinguishes Damon from a lot of the others right and I think that that's how you point to th this being the height of the dynasty. However, also, let me just point out that you may be seeing a little bit of a decline because your Damon is pointing out to Viserys, the king himself, um, how he is weak mm -hmm. towards yeah. the end of this episode yep. as he's getting deposed. So uh, he or getting deposed, getting kicked out of town. And I, I feel like that what you're seeing is the that great heron hall or the great council of heron hall was in fact the absolute height of the targaryen dynasty and perhaps just in the years since then since viserys took over we're starting to see a little bit of a decline yeah and i think that could also be a reason for damon to go like so aggro with the gold cloaks too <laughs> like i'm gonna clean yeah. some shut up you know um and, you know, he went after, you know, it was a whole 
cart full of body parts from various variety of criminals and you know some like, select well, body parts for certain oof yeah Eeks. oh yeah hey, they guys. showed those nuts those hairy nuts <laughs> that was horrible oh my god and the nuts had fallen to out too it was just like the bag oh god yeah pretty graphic it's at least it's dark world. yeah that's terrible. Not as dark as I would like. That you know, that director has filmed things very dark before. So he got I would like that to be darker. a little darker. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, true. Yeah, we had a bloody birthing scene in broad daylight. So yeah, you that, know. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But that's you know, that's a great point, Matt. I'm glad that you could kind of fill that in there because. I it, I did get this feeling, you know. I can remember in history class or reading books, and hey, it might have even been mentioned at some point in Game of Thrones that, like, you know, the men are. Oh, you know what? I think it was Ramsey at one point. It was like they haven't killed the people in a while. They're like dogs. They need to go out there and kill. And there is this is that world where that mentality exists, right? And it's like there's a ner- there's like a tension, a nervous tension that's brewing. Obviously, we know that this show is about a Targaryen civil war, so I don't think that's a spoiler there. Um, So we know that there's going to be tensions within, and so I think it's interesting the way they're kind of seeding that. And I noticed I did, in fact, listen to this story, but once I found out that they were doing this show, Matt, I kind of was skipping around it. So I don't remember everything. And a lot of the names repeat themselves. So you got to know the second or the third or the fifth or the whatever. So I kind of have scrambled it a bit in my, in my mind. Um, But uh, I, I, I I do think that uh, what was I talking about before I said, I can't even remember. I was thinking about going to dreaming and like half hearing this while I fall asleep. But, um, oh, the state of the, the, where they're at. Um, I think that it's interesting that they're, oh, oh, no, that's, this is what I was going to say. Okay. I caught myself people. Sorry. Old man moment there. What I was going to say is it seemed to me that there were, uh, they were doing a lot of foreshadowing. Um, like there's a part where Damon, where he says, you didn't have to kill half the Sydney. He's like, well, I might have to. And so there's a little bit that I, I feel like later like we did in Game of Thrones, we're going to watch this episode and we're going to see all the great foreshadowing. And for those who know what happens, they're probably, Matt, would you agree? Are you picking up on a lot of that? Well, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest because uh, they've decided to make just a few minute changes, like the difference in Rhaenyra's age when some of this stuff happens to Damon, or the difference in Allison's age. They've moved them closer together in age than they are in the in George's book. So I think that they're making some accommodations for the story in that way too. So I will have to actually watch those later episodes and say, oh yeah, that's what they meant, just like everybody else, I think. Ooh, I like that. That's fun for you. It, very fun for me. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right. Well, we talked a little bit about Prince Damon. Uh, Gina, is there anything you wanted to bring up? Um, about more about Damon or just oh, no, just general. about about anything. You had mentioned the birth. Do you want, or yes. I should say, you want to talk about that? 
Yeah, you know, it was interesting because I listened to um, your initial reaction, Matt. I listened to the Joffrey podcast initial reaction. And it was so interesting just to hear all these men like so um, (laughs) to react to the birthing scene when, you know, like I grew up from a very young age knowing my mom had had a C-section with my sister and knowing where the scar was and you know, hearing friends go through C-sections and yeah, they move like a lot of your internal organs around to get the baby out. And it's, it's just, I don't know, I guess from a woman's perspective, I wasn't that horrified. Like I knew it was going to happen when they said that baby was breech. I was like, oh, they're going to do a C-section yeah. to try and get that mm-hmm. thing out, you know? Um, and it's not going to be pretty because of course they hadn't perfected it and they don't have all the, the drugs and, you know, everything they have today to, to make it somewhat easier on the woman, even though it's, it's, you know, still not, and it's still a pretty dangerous uh, procedure, but um, yeah, it was just, you know, there, C-sections are no joke. And I think something that was even more kind of depressing about it for me was that, you know, she says to him, you know, in a couple of scenes before this, she's like, you know, this is like the fifth time I've been, or, you know, I think fifth time she's been pregnant in as many years, or she lost five in 10 years. And this is like the sixth. And she's like, this is it. I I can't do it anymore. No matter what comes out of me. Um, You know, if it's a girl, sorry, it's going to be a girl and I can't do it anymore. And I think that's something that the role of women in this world is, Oh, so depressing. And we know it's not going to get any better because we know a Targaryen woman never really sits on the Iron Throne. Um, You know, we already know that. Spoiler alert. But um, it's just, you know, they're so forced to produce an heir. They're never looked at as, you know, truly capable of sitting on the Iron Throne and ruling a kingdom because I think just, you know, like still like a lot of men think about women today it's like you're on earth to you know reproduce and yeah you're really smart but we get scared if you're in charge and especially if you're in charge of too much like then what does then where do we come in you know so i don't know it's all very interesting that this episode you know the the series debuted this week because there are a couple other things in the news like um, a reporter, Ali Vitali, has a new book out called Electable, Why America Hasn't Put a Woman in the White House Yet, dot, dot, dot. And um, the Finnish prime minister, who's a woman, she's catching a lot of shit this week because she was partying with her friends last week and photos got out and everyone's, you know, it's like women have to be the perfect thing. It's like, OK, so if you're in charge, you have to be a certain way. You can't just be like a regular woman. Because regular women aren't, you know, it's, I don't know, it's a whole feminist thing. I'm sure we're going to definitely see themes of this play out throughout the series. But I just think it's kind of everything from being expected to reproduce, especially male heirs, never feeling confident enough to, you know, be in charge. And then, you know, I think even the whole secession at the end where you can tell as these men are bowing down and giving fealty to Renera that their heart's not in it. 
and she can tell their hearts. Yeah, it. it was very hard it's for some of them. Really, like, yeah. It's yeah. it's just really like it was a gut punch. It's like here she is finally getting the opportunity she wants, and she knows that basically no one has faith in her. Um, and it's just heartbreaking. And I feel like that kind of sets us up for uh, nine more episodes of Heartbreak this season. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Anyway, you- that's that's my fem- feminist, you know, um, rant. Gina, if I could just ask a question real quick. Sure. Uh, when you listen to my initial reaction, I, I hope that, I, first of all, I hope I didn't come off like I was in charge of making a decision there. I was actually only react, reacting uh, to the emotion of the fact uh, that she didn't really have a choice at that yeah. point. That, and that nobody told her what was going to happen. That For me, it was that yep. fear yep. That, w- that got me more so than the actual procedure because i work in a hospital now and so yeah. stuff happens you know I, I see that stuff it wasn't it wasn't so much that it was just a realization that now that she was at that moment after preaching to her own daughter about mm-hmm. the merits of yeah. a patriarchal society yep. that's what i want to say and, and to that yeah. made it such an irony and it's so horrifying to me um, well so, i'm uh, glad you're horrified because i think i hope more men watch that scene and were horrified and i hope it causes them to become champions for women to have rights over the decisions of what happens to their bodies because that's where we're i mean that's another thing this is where we're at and it's like you know the more control you can put into the hands of the woman about their reproductive choices the less of those scenes you're going to see yep. here here which should be all control um, yes. as I know, we yeah. all agree. Yeah, yes. I agree with a lot of what you said. I felt that that was up until while it was happening, you knew it was going that way, right? The baby's breed. I mean, you don't have to know. You just have to have watched TV before, right? To hear, <laughs> right. to know what that, you know what I mean? That's like a trope. Right. And then what was interesting is that the maester then said, look, they're both going to die. We leave it up to the gods. They're both probably going to die or we can try to save the baby. At which point, having seen the relationship between this king and queen, which seems so tender and real, really, really loving. Right. I thought he was going to tell her that I thought he was going to say to her. It's a horrible choice. They said, you know, maybe give her some kind of agency there in the decision that's going to happen. Or perhaps not at least the impression of a, of that because they're really both going to bow down to their history, right? And their culture at this point. But that was the difference is that they grab her and hold her down and she's right. Mm. That, that was where it turned from an unfortunate tragedy to something much darker. And that's this world that we live in, right? It's it's all it took was some words, some communication, some respect, and they don't have that. And then you see exactly the same thing. They don't have that for Renera. And uh, though, interestingly enough, I did find a um, like you said earlier, that Damon and Renera do seem to have this kind of black sheep. It seems almost from even their short meeting together. It seemed to me I get the impression that 
even though he wants to be king, it does he would somehow maybe even support her in her Arya like desire to be a knight or right or a warrior, right? So I think that's setting up something. I'm I'm interested. He doesn't speak too well of his wife, but I'm interested in how that <laughs> kind of works out as well. But that whole scene was the way it was cut, the way it was shot, the way that they just do that close up of the kind of blood trickling down. It was, I mean, yeah. And this is coming from a guy who was in the room when my son was born, but there was a curtain between us because I would have fainted. And I, <laughs> I asked him, please just kind of guide me around, you know, what if there's blood and such. And like the nurse purposefully like walked me into it. And I think she did it to like say like, you can't escape this man. Um, but I was okay with it. But uh, it. It, it it does remind me too that oftentimes people and mostly men discount the fact that having a baby is a major health crisis, right? Like it is, you it is a big deal. It's not like you just pop it out, right? Like it's 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 yeah. it, and even it's and this thing to say is even in today's day and age, rates of um babies dying or women dying are not like going down from my understanding is it's with our healthcare system it's happening a lot more there's also a lot of people choosing not to have kids inside a hospital yeah um, yeah which the united know, states has a really yeah. high rate of maternal mortality yes. um considering how quotation marks advanced yes. our society is supposedly so supposed that's to be. something to remember that it's it, it kind of unites this world and our world in a sense right that that it's still as dangerous in mm -hmm. many ways today yeah you know and unpredictable as is insemination and such it's a it's a a lot of it still is not fully understood um and i think you know still got to get those science get that science going yeah. Um, well, I, I just want to add one more thing, sure. and this is just kind of like an extra thing. But when um, they induce women into labor, um, the drug they use mm -hmm. often yep. does not induce um, natural labor. Usually those births end up in a C-section. So, again, it's another like, you know, oh, I want to have my baby on X day. It's like you're increasing your odds of needing a C-section because, we, we, yeah, it's Gina, crazy. When my wife was pregnant, if I remember correctly, we put they were trying to push that. We're like, nope. Mm -hmm. Nope. Yeah. Um, so... It's still, you know, I mean, there's still a lot to be learned about this whole thing. But I think that scene in reference to this show, it said a lot, you know, and I mean, just the back and forth cutting of also how the fragility of life with a bunch of dudes for sport killing each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, what's your value of life? If that's and, you know, the dude says it. The guy who's married to the queen who was not, um, can you help me with their names, Matt? <laughs> that's Rainey's. Rainey's, okay. And what's, is that his yeah, name? Yeah, that's Corlys Valerian. I always say like an okay. R, so that I'm not saying Valerian. Corlys. Yeah, he says to her, what a, what a ridiculous way to celebrate. <laughs> Isn't this a bit silly <laughs> that we're celebrating the birth with this brutality, you know? 
Um, and I thought that that was interesting. I like that dude. He was interesting to me because knowing that he was the husband of a woman who was not chosen, right, in our prologue, I thought it was interesting the way he stood up for Damon in that small council meeting and he was kind of called out for it. What is, where, where, what do we kind of need to know about him, Matt? What kind of, what, what, what's, what's some, what's the DL that you can give us on him? Uh, I'll, I'll try and make it brief and spoiler free. Uh, Corlys is a gentleman who that house that he is from was also from Valyria, just like the Targaryens. Uh, but of course, many years before, but he was never a dragon holder. I think they even say that in the show, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about him is that he is a f- he's serving on that small council as the master of ships, meaning he's really good on a boat. And uh, he is pointing out, uh, especially in that council, what I love is this gentleman, while all these other people are worrying about pageantry and everything, he's worrying about the state of the country. Yeah. Uh, he's pointing out things on that map that he thinks is going to be uh, problematic. And I am the kind of person who, as far as Corlys and Rainey's go, uh, if you want to paint somebody with white hats or, or black hats, I tend to paint them more on the white hat side yeah. than any other set of characters that I see. I feel like they're genuine. Uh, I feel like that he's genuine. I feel like that he can tell truth to power, as you saw in this particular episode. And I think that, you know, he's going to be a key player in however this story goes. They're a striking couple, too, aren't they? Very much. <laughs> yeah. They're like you know, the best looking couple. It's interesting you say that, Matt, because um, she says something at one point that reminded me of Catelyn Stark about how these are green soldiers. And I remember Catelyn saying something like, you know, you guys are playing at war. You're, you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're. When she was going to see Renly. Yep. Yeah. 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 And. And, you know, you say and, you know, he's concerned with these pirate ships, whereas Ned was concerned with the fact that you guys are six million dollars in debt or three million dollars in debt. Like someone that's concerned about the real things versus the, um, you know, the pageantry around the crown. So maybe they're kind of like a, you know. you know, stark predecessors in a way. If you you want to make a quick comparison, uh, you might compare him to Ned. Remember the first time that Ned walked into the small council and was just flabbergasted by the way they were spending money, how ridiculous the money was being spent on and all of that stuff. Uh, I think you see a lot of similarities, at least in the being appalled at uh, how little anybody at that table is actually paying attention to what's happening in the country. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I like kind of the nuances, like who kind of shadows who from the the two different series. And I think that's a good one. All right. So there was a couple things that we found out um, when Viserys is talking to Rhaenyra um, and telling her that she will succeed him or be named the successor. And I want to try to talk to you two Game of Thrones expertos. The first thing is he talks about Valeria and he talks about the doom. And one of the things is he says that their connection to the dragons or the dragons that this somehow led to the doom. And was my understanding that that was like 
volcanoes or something like that was like a we we don't know what happened but am i is this kind of new information that we're getting or am i reading into that matt i think that what's happening there is we don't know who to believe as far as that is concerned because i think that if you're someone who is a close examiner of george's stories and maybe even some really obscure dialogue in game of thrones you're going to pick up other things uh, that there is a possibility that it could be any number of things. I know there's a certain group in Bravos that likes to kind of take credit for it. There's a certain, you know, there's all kinds of things. So how reliable of a narrator is Viserys? How reliable is the story that's been ta- passed down from generation to generation? Because think about it, just when we used to play the telephone game as kids, um, things can be changed, things can be exaggerated, things can be whatever. What I can tell you is that I know that the stuff that surrounds that particular revelation is something that I'm pretty sure George has been considering and book theorists has even been theorizing about in terms of the secret that's being passed down. What I don't know is which, just like, and, and it may even be a tribute to the fact that in this particular book that the story is based on, you get several different accounts of the same event, yeah. right? You can't have that. Yep. You can't have that in a TV show per se, unless you want to replay the scene three different ways. And I think that would be kind of boring. So Rush what I want to do the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like uh, it might've been a tribute to that. I feel like that you can't not take it as a grain of salt, but I'm not quite ready to commit to the volcano thing yet myself. Okay. What is your feeling as a book reader, Gina, about what, did you find that to be a revelation talking about the, the doom, but we're also going to talk about Aegon's dream a little bit too. Um, you know, it's interesting because yeah, I think in some ways I feel like we've always just assumed it's a volcano because it burned. Um, and maybe the volcano exploded, but there were still many dragon lords on in Valeria. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was the Targaryens and a few other Valerians that found these other little islands to move to because I think they had heard some type of prophecy as well. And they chose to kind of get out of Dodge and kind of maybe think that the dragon lords in destroying each other destroyed valeria and maybe they're somehow interconnected but um that was just kind of me mulling it over i don't i don't know if that was you know such a big thing but i guess we'll see i just like that kind of stuff (laughs) yeah you know the mythology and i think that it's interesting if now the Aegon's dream part where he tells um renera that the reason why Aegon kind of did his conquest of Westeros is because in a sense he dreamed the white walkers were coming and he needed to have, you know, the dragon needed to stand up against them long story short, but, and he even calls his dream a song of ice and fire. I thought that that was when I, when that went down, I could feel like a collective, like the, all of the, a song of ice and fire fans and Twitter being like, Whoa, what's going on here? Has this been like a huge revelation in the community? I haven't been that much on the Twitter, 
But uh, it seems like it would be. And this does come from Condol, the other showrunner, confirmed that George R. R. Martin, this is one of the little things he told them when they were, I guess, preparing for the show or whatnot. Gina, you want to address it first? Um, I mean, it's I loved that they put it in there. I got the chills. I was like, ooh, they knew all along. And I think it's fun that George kind of gave that to them. And it makes me wonder what else he's going to give to them. Because if you want to play it that way, then, you know, the Mad King in his, you know, demented attempt to potentially burn down King's Landing, was that really him wanting to burn down King's Landing? Or did he have a vision of that? And did the vision really end up being Cersei doing it? So it's, it's you know, like a prophesied vision. So I think it's interesting to throw that out there because I think it means there are more of these types of revelations we might get along the way. And I will add to that, uh, as you have both mentioned, is that the dreams that they call dragon dreams is what the Targaryens call them, or other people call them. Dreams have always been very, very important to this family in the fact that that's essentially what saved them from Valyria. Like you talked about actual prophecy. It was actually one of the Targaryen ancestors that had a dream about this that urged them to leave. I don't think yes. that that's spoilery. No. Uh, but... The idea of uh, the fact that just that saved the family uh, means that they're going to place a lot of emphasis in any dreams. To me, it was a complete revelation as far as being new. Uh, like I said, I think a lot of book people had kind of been post-positing this theory for a while. They've kind of really scoured the texts and everything like that and said, you know, what if what if this is all connected and, and look at it in that way. There's nothing in George's fire and blood text that indicates this, but I'm wondering if it's some kind of reveal for his completion of the main series. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he's feeding this now. And this way, HBO, no matter how many shows they do, they have this kind of tying thread that they don't have to focus on forever. I mean, they, 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 they just acknowledge that, this is the same universe, and this is a driving force behind the same universe uh, to something that we've already seen play out. That's fine. I loved the the kind of opposite ends of the spectrum to this. I've seen people say, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's not what – and then I've, I've seen Shocking. People, and then it's people saying, I love it. I love it. I love it. And they're all, you know, it, to me, hey, it's – just another thing to factor into the story. And you can, again, like I said, depending on the narrator, you can take it what you what you wish or not. I can say that there's an awful lot of stories about Jon Snow's father that seems to indicate that he read something in a book that made him suddenly stop being a book guy and pick up a sword. So mm. could this be one of those things? I don't know. Does it have implications as to what happened at Summerhall many years? Uh, I guess Ares the Mad King was a baby at that time. There's lots of things that would tie all of these incidents together that I really love. So mm -hmm. I like that. I, I think that's really cool. I like that they include it. And I think it, it made me think um, maybe it could be something that 
Danny attaches herself to in the books in some way or finds out or does this get lost, right? Because we know that there's a break in that Targaryen dynasty, right? And what we saw in Game of Thrones was Danny trying to bring it back. So in the show, this in Game of Thrones' show, it's not mentioned, but you know, I think a lot of people think that the book could be different and her motivations could be different. Um, and maybe perhaps that in the end could add to her motivations. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a BR, so I'm uh, just dipping my toe in the water there. But it seems to me that that could be, like you say, like kind of a uniting through line through the whole thing. Uh, but I loved it, and uh, I just thought it was cool. I liked the way he was putting his hand on the, uh, the candles, too. And not burning. You see that? that you know cool. what? I, you know what I attribute that to? Damon had just called him very weak. Yeah. And as we know, all nice. Targaryens are, are you know, all true-blooded Targaryens that call themselves dragons seem to be pretty resistant to heat. So I feel like he was just uh, kind of sitting there showing to himself. He's just going, I'll show you, Damon. I'm tough. See, look, I'm holding my hand <laughs> in this fire. I'm over in Martell, too. I like so, that. That's cool. Um, well, one more thing that we didn't talk about that was rather interesting or a person and some events is, uh, Otto. He's, he's Otto high is he's high tower, right? Yes. And not only him, but also sending his daughter, Allison, who is Renera's good buddy to, uh, maybe, you know, Talk to the king a little bit. Have a, you know, have a few drinks. Be, you know, maybe something else happens. It seems like he was hinting towards um, maybe getting himself involved. And there was also a reference to him being, right, the second son and he'll inherit. Not, is, is his brother, doesn't his brother show up at the end and pledge allegiance to her? Is that oh, his older brother? Because probably there were so many of them. I, I, didn't. I thought that there was a like they made a thing. I think they like when they were calling it out. But um, what do you think of this? This gentleman, Otto. So, well, I was like, you're going to pimp out your daughter, <laughs> yep. you mofo. Yeah. And, um, you know, at first I was like, does she realize this is she what he really wants her to do? And, you know, I think she does. I think right now yeah. we kind of see Alicent as um, more innocent. Um, however, she kind of had this look on her face when she was helping Renaries get ready for the fealty ceremony. That even though she was kind of, you know, pulling for her earlier, like before the whole birth where she's like, you wanted to be a boy? You know, she, Alicent seems to have ambitions for... We think Renera, but, you know, maybe it's more for herself and her own family. So I, I saw something where someone's like, this bitch going to make Cersei look like an angel. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a meme. And I was like, oh, my gosh, really? Do we think it's going to go that way? And but then someone's like, oh, Otto's like Littlefinger. And it's like, well, mm. you know, Littlefinger was a whoremonger. So you know he was a he was the ultimate pimp so mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i i guess he is so it's um i i just couldn't believe he said that and i was like oh you're a worm you are the biggest worm ever so 
Yeah. That was kind of like, that's the one kind of big baddie that I think came out of the show. <laughs> like you instantly have your daughter go like pimp herself to the freshly widowed king. It's like, ugh. Yeah, you know, that, that's that, pretty gross. That was the indication to me because up until that point, we have him kind of opposing Damon, rightfully so, it seems, right? About what he did uh, with the King's Guard, going out and killing everybody and all that. Um, or are they the King's Guard? Are they something? Is it Gold Cloaks? Gold Cloaks. And he was okay. the one that founded them. Yeah, he okay. was the one that founded them. So it's like the same troop that Braun used to run for Tyrion. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, at that point, it seemed to me like I was kind of, I like, he seemed rather smarmy, right? But I was kind of on his side. But then when he sends his daughter there, I was like, oh gosh. But then the way she so well executed it, right? Where she had the perfect thing to say. When my mother died, I just wanted every, everyone spoke in riddles, but I just wanted them to say, I'm sorry, right? I feel mm -hmm. bad for what happened. And then he kind of looked at her with like doe like eyes, you know, and it, she I think she touched something in him there. And I think that she was successful in what she was doing. And it showed me at that point, I said, OK, we're dealing with someone more like her father and maybe less like the, you know, princess and now su successor to the to the throne friend. Mm -hmm. Right. That she was yeah. also playing the game. Um, yep. So uh, that that's what that's what it kind of that's what I loved about this episode is just when I thought I kind of had someone pegged, they kind of turned a little bit and showed me a different side, showed us all. And I was like, wow, they were really successful in that turn for me, making me think, hmm, she is not really being nervous about this she's not like saying no daddy i don't want to do that right like she seems down for the cause which is ironic considering did you notice during the um jousting scene she had bitten her like yes. cuticles oh, to the quick and they were like good red call. and bleeding yeah. like that makes her nervous but going in to seduce the king doesn't like Ooh. that's kind of some next level stuff i was just like oh okay we know kind of how she works I, that Crazy. was interesting but what was making her that nervous was it the per was she worried about a specific person or was she just the blood and the gore was getting I, to her i think it was probably just the blood and the gore and the like everyone was pretty yeah. stressed and strained that was watching even some of the adults um yeah I don't know so far. I can't remember her role in this, but I find her to be complex so far. And that's very interesting to me. I like the way they kind of play. I felt, I felt that maybe there was a little something more to her and Rhaenyra too. There was a, 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 a closeness yeah. to them, you know? Yeah. I have a whole, I had a whole vibes yeah. section, which was uncle and niece mm -hmm. kind of, kind of vibey, Alicent and Rhaenyra kind of vibey. Yep. Alicent and Viserys, pimp vibes. <laughs> and then <laughs> Rhaenyra and Kristen Cole, the oh, knight yes. in the, the beat up armor. Yes, the winner who took on rather dashing. Um, Damon, yes. Gods, he's Dornish and hot. So that's all I'll say there. We'll see more to come, I'm sure. Aren't all Dornish hot? I, mean, I think so. That's what I've heard. That's a prerequisite that's what for I the heard. show. 
Um, all right. Well, hey, we can't cover everything in this show. There are great podcasts like Before the Dragon and History of Westeros and the Joffrey of Podcasts that are also uh, have much to say about the Game of the Thrones. You could also check out, I think, our friend Mike over at One Mike is covering it. Um, nice. So many, I think a, so, a couple people I saw have dropped out of coverage. Um, what's the guys that shot on TV who we used to do Westworld stuff with? They were like, nope, we're not, we're, we're out of the game of Thrones business, but we're still in it, baby. We're riding dragons. Is there anything else that y'all wanted to talk about? I've got nothing, Gina. No, I think we, I think we covered it all. I managed to squeeze in a couple of the like little things I saw, but I, I feel pretty, uh, I feel like we covered it. Yeah. I just want to reiterate how wonderful this episode was, and it's been a pleasure talking with you both. I also want to give a shout out to Kim, who is a patron and a listener, and she said on our Facebook page that she didn't watch Game of Thrones, but she was going to watch this and listen. So I hope you liked it, Kim, and you're going to have to, we should have like a weekly update through the eyes of Kim, how this, how the world of Westeros sets. It's probably dark and violent and bloody and the only hope i have for the next episode is a couple more jokes i like some jokes in westeros it's rather dour you know maybe a few jokes yeah okay you need to not take themselves so seriously (laughs) (laughs) yeah come on all right matt please tell us where we can find you and and all that kind of stuff before it'll all be in the show notes but please tell us again Well, thank you very much again, Axel, for having me. Gina, always a pleasure to talk to you. I love talking to you guys. Like I said, it's pretty rare occurrence that I'm the smartest guy in the room, but that was that rare occurrence did not happen here. Uh, As usual, I was the dumbest guy in the room, and I really appreciate your guys' thoughts. Now, as far as the podcast that I work on, I'm also surrounded by people who are much smarter than me. Uh, Holly, Susan. Kelly, Stephanie, John, they all know their stuff. And so we have uh, one initial reaction from me every week. We have one or two, uh, if it gets long, which they often do, uh, full panel podcast. Uh, you get them on Mondays and Thursdays. You can find me at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on Twitter. Thanks for having me, guys. You're the best, Matt. Yeah. Great having you on. You're Very the exciting. best around. Sing a little theme song. Gina, anything you want to say before we depart this week? Um, not about this show, but I will be doing some overlap <laughs> podcasting yeah. on The Handmaid's Tale when that comes out September 14th. And Yay. the latest trailer dropped today, and it looks freaking crazy. Fine. So, um, yeah, like, I think we thought we saw violence in the first episode of uh house of the dragon i think it's gonna be a whole new world in gilead and canada so brace yourself people <laughs> all right you can check out resisting gilead check out before the dragon drop us a, a review or a or a stars or a thank you or whatever and we thank you thank you everybody for listening for downloading 
Man, I am so psyched for the next episode. I thought I was going to be just kind of potted out after Westworld and Better Call Saul. But this is like rejuvenating me. We're heading into the fall. There's dragons. There's fire. And we can just only hope that next episode has more incest. So until then, I'm Axel. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Peace out. All right. That was awesome. That was so much fun. Yeah, it I had was. a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. All right, cool. <laughs> well, I'm going to go eat some dinner and I will upload this tonight. Sounds All right, guys. Good. All right. Take Thanks, care. everyone. Thank take you. care. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.